From many homes we gather, many living rooms, many kitchens, many easy chairs and bedsides. From the temples of our homes, morning sun streaming, spilling, one light, many windows, skyborne air flowing, breathing, linking us across the distance. One voice calling, gathering one church from many homes. Good morning, beloveds. Good morning, new visitors. Welcome to First Unitarian Church. I'm Angela Herrera, the senior minister here, and I am happy to see you. And who, boy, is it early. <laughs> I'm joined today in this, our first 9 a.m. service by the Reverend Bob Lavalley, by music director Susan Peck, and lay leader John Eldridge. Our Time for All Ages today is presented by ministerial intern Matt Pargeter Villarreal. Chris Paul is our technical arts director and DJ, and we could not do anything at all without the volunteers on our tech team. Thank you, Arnie, Bill, Alex, Erica, Sai, and George. It's a big team today for a big day. It's good to be together in our virtual sanctuary, and we especially welcome new visitors who may be here. And if this is your first or second time and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat so that we can extend a personal greeting to you. As we begin, John has a quick announcement to share. Good morning. It's great to see everyone again. And hey, happy Grandparents Day. Feel free to have your own chalice or candle to light at home when we light our church chalice in a moment. On Friday, the board unanimously approved a revision to our COVID safe reopening policies. The new policies bring in-person small groups and other campus activities into alignment with the reopening of our sanctuary. Which is to say virtual meetings are still strongly encouraged, but if necessary, groups are now able to meet in person again with precautions. We'll drop a link in the chat box for anyone who'd like to save it to read the whole document later. It'll also be added to the church website. We light our chalice this morning with these words about possibilities by the German mystic Rilke. I believe in all that has never been spoken. I want to feel what waits within me so that when no one has ever dared to wish for, may for once spring clear. No forcing and no holding back, the way it is with children. I found myself totally surrounded in your circles, oh, my friends.
Well, I'm finally here, and it's been so long. Come on, celebrate me home. Well, we're finally here, and it's been too long. Come on, celebrate me home. Come, come, whoever you are, wander, worshiper, lover of leaving. Ours is no caravan, no caravan of despair. So come, come, come on, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. children's affirmation. We are Unitarian, Universalist, we are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, helping him. Let's enter into a time of meditation and prayer, contemplation. One of the beauties of meditation is that it grounds us in the present, in time, but also in place. So find a comfortable posture for some stillness. If it's available to you, perhaps straighten your spine, rest your feet on the floor if that works for you. Take note of where you are. Listen to the sounds around you. Do you smell anything? Can you feel the air move? Just be in your space for a moment. Now picture the building that you're in. 
feel the protection of the walls. Picture it as if you're looking at it from above. You are in that building. Be in that building. Now expand your mental view to the neighborhood that you're in. Imagine the streets, the houses and buildings, the trees and power lines. Feel the presence of a community, of people eating and sleeping and talking. Broaden your attention again to picture the city that you're in. Holding your posture of tranquil awareness, consider the interconnections of the power lines and the sewers and the water mains. Consider the interconnections of the people there. Some are in hospitals and homes caring for the sick. Some are preparing food or stocking the shelves of supermarkets. Some are wondering when they will get their next meal. Feel the hum of the city. Know that there is love there and despair. And there is hope and helpers. Holding this awareness of a larger connected community, come back into the space where you're sitting. With this awareness, let's sit in sacred silence for two minutes.
Each day, we add a page to the story of our lives. At times, those pages tell of gladness. At other times, those pages tell of sorrow. Our stories are woven together when we support others in their moments of joy or sadness, and they support us in ours. These interwoven moments become part of the story of our community here together. Please share your joys and sorrows in the chat bar now as prompted by the video. If you cannot share in the chat for any reason, please contact us at caring at uuabq.org.
as we share our joys and concerns. We lift up our Director of Finance, Philip Robinson, as he undergoes a medical procedure this week. May his recovery be comfortable and fast. And we grieve with the Mayo family as Chris and Bonita and their children mourn the passing of Chris's brother, John Mayo. May they feel the care of this congregation and may light perpetual shine upon John. All these joys and concerns and those joys and concerns we carry in our hearts, we lift them all up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal known by many names. Pray for this church as it moves into a new kind of community. As we return to holding a second service, this one in person, we acknowledge the kaleidoscope of emotions that we feel. We lift, we lift up those feeling elation at coming back together. May, they, may their joy carry them through these hard times. We lift up those feeling anxious about this new community, this new closeness, this new proximity. May they find peace. We lift up those feeling left out, who want to return to in-person services, but can't. May they know that this congregation holds them close. We lift up all of us, feeling complex and even contradictory emotions on this Sunday morning. May we respect the choices that we each make and may we move forward with courage and love. And we remember all those whose lives were changed by the events of 9-11. We remember the individual acts of courage and generosity that arose in that moment. We give, we give, thanks, to the, give thanks for the common decency that is held by most folks. May we be inspired by their example. 20 years later, we say a prayer of lament for this country, for the squandered lives and treasure, for the loss of freedoms. We pray for forgiveness from the average people of Iraq and Afghanistan, for people who had nothing to do with the attacks and who suffered mightily. May we welcome their refugees warmly. As we say, never forget, may we consider the things that we as a country seem to never remember. May we remember humility and compassion. May we remember respect and inclusion. May we remember that our strength lies not in our military, but in our values. In this time of change and difficult memories, we give thanks for the ways that new opportunities for growth show up. We give thanks for children and learning and friendship. We give thanks for fall weather and overflowing gardens 
and the smell of roasting chilies. May gratitude be a foundation for our lives. And may we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you. On the day we are together again. On the day we are together again. I will pull you in close like a hoop with no end. On the day we are together again. We will share.
Our reading today is titled Semantics by Carlton Holte. Anything can be verbed. So what if God were a verb rather than a noun? People would have to stop trying to define him or her or it or them and arguing over what and when and where and how and whether still in other ineffables and concede not only the ineffability but the impracticality of it all. What would be left is the memory of whatever the noun was supposed to signify was a good thing or things or being or beings. And that with God now verbed, actions that were good and loving would be godding. And there would be as many goddings as there is huggings and kissings and meals fed to the hungry and bandages put on wounds. And there would always be plenty of opportunities to god your neighbor. Love that poem by Carlton Holt. This day is different. Here we are much earlier than usual. And instead of sitting in front of the fireplace that has become so familiar to all of you, I'm in my office. And if you've never visited me in my office at the church, here's what it looks like. There's a box on that shelf with a plush rabbit ear hanging out of it. wonder what that could be. There we go. How are you feeling? Joyful? Grateful? Concerned? Sorrowful? I feel some of those things also, and I feel connected, committed. I'm nervous. On this first Sunday of holding two services again, I'm afraid of doing the wrong thing. And aren't we all afraid of that in so many ways in this time? I'm fearful about a future I can't imagine as clearly as I would like. But all week also, my courage has been growing. There are so many feelings for all of us now, all of the feels, as they say, yeah? But maybe two of the really big ones are courage and fear. They seem like opposites, courage and fear, but so often they actually go hand in hand, don't they? A member of our congregation, Christina Jovovich, wrote a beautiful essay about that, about courage and fear. It was published in Mother Magazine online, and it's called, I Am Afraid, I Am Not Afraid. The essay is about taking her son back to school for the first time in 17 months recently. He's in fourth grade now, but they both noticed that it feels like kindergarten all over again. By fourth grade, kids are usually pros at school, yeah? But when you're only eight or nine years old, 17 months is a long time. It's quite a lot of your life. The pandemic started two school years ago. And second grade is a distant memory now. In the essay, Christina remembers when she took him to kindergarten for the first time. Along the way that day, she sang a song from their favorite musical, A Year with Frog and Toad. And the song goes, 
I am not afraid. Well, I am, but I'll be brave. She writes, four years later, I am afraid again, and I'm trying to be brave again, my voice breaking on the word, because now there is COVID, the Delta variant, as communicable as chicken pox, and he and all of the other children are not vaccinated against it. I'm trying to be brave, but I'm terrified. Terrified of him getting sick, of him ending up on a ventilator, of my husband and I getting sick despite our vaccines. I remind myself that if my son gets sick, the probability is he'll be okay. When I picture a ventilator, I try to remind myself, probably not. But it remains that taking my child to school isn't supposed to mean that I fear for his life. Though this too is not entirely new, she continues. While the school was closed due to the pandemic, a metal fence was put up all around the large campus. People can no longer casually stroll through. You have to be buzzed in a locked gate, not to protect against COVID, but to protect against men with guns. I am not afraid. Well, I am, but I'll be brave. Although she is afraid, she also sees the very real cost of not letting her son go to school, not letting him be with other children. There isn't a perfect answer, only brave love. We can all relate to that now, can't we? Many of you responded to a survey sent out last week. Your church leaders needed to get a sense of how many people planned on attending in person today. 275 people responded. About 47% said they did not plan to attend in person. I assume that means they will continue to attend on Zoom. That's 128 people. I see that we have about 99 logged in right now, 99 logins, and some of you have more than one person logged in with you. So. Maybe there's about 128 people here. Another 42% said they did not, they did plan to attend. 42% said they did plan to attend in person. That's about 115 people. And the rest, about 32 people, weren't sure. I know some folks who are staying on Zoom were worried about being left behind when we resumed services on campus. But whether you attend in the virtual sanctuary or the physical one, you're in good company. It's pretty close to an even split with a slight preference actually for Zoom. And both are real church. Both are real church. The survey also included an open question so that we could receive your comments. I wanna read a sampling of the comments to you. I think it illustrates so much about this moment. The survey was anonymous, and I've also taken out any identifying details uh, people might have provided in their answers. So first, here are five of the shorter responses. I'm so thankful we are holding in-person services again. It's time. I'll attend in person after booster shots are given. I'll attend in person after my kids can get the vaccine. We'll stay on Zoom until then. Not ready for in-person with the current rise in COVID cases, even among the vaccinated. So glad 
we are finally having in person. There were some longer answers too. Here are five of those. One, I'm looking forward to coming back and have been ready to do so since getting vaccinated last April. I think the church has been closed too long and has been too cautious. While I appreciate the online services and initial hesitancy, it's time for vaccinated masked adults to gather in person. Two, I really wish you would strongly consider stepping back from the decision to hold worship in person. I have close family that was fully vaccinated and wound up in the hospital with Delta COVID and on oxygen. It's just not worth it. I hope your family members are better now. Three, though we do look forward to alternating Zoom and in-person church, we wanna support Zoom church at this time of moving back to the sanctuary. It is wonderful in a different way from in-person church, both in intimacy and reach, and has allowed family to attend at a distance with us. Four, the church missed a shining moment here by not requiring a vaccine to attend in person. So much for the caring community as society continues on the downward spiral. Where is the leadership? And five, I feel conflicted and confused by the public health situation. However, I'm vaccinated, have no symptoms of illness and have had no known contact with an infected person. So I believe that as long as I'm masked, I can join the congregation in person. My body may disagree with me once I'm there, however. I love that one so much because it captures both the logistical and the visceral or emotional confusion so many of us are experiencing right now. Okay, here are just a few more short quotes from the survey. We will not attend because one of us has high-risk health status. Of course, we fully support the decision to do both in-person and online services. I'm rusty on making time for church since I haven't attended the Zoom services. I wanna to try to make it though. It's ironic, we were finally ready to attend the Zoom services after our sabbatical from church and now the Zoom services are moved to a time that isn't available for us. And finally, I want the 9.30 service returned, no more Zoom. Apart from the survey, I also received a letter this summer accusing me of handpicking the COVID advisory council so that they would do my bidding and we would never have to reopen. The letter claimed that I don't care who I hurt by keeping the church virtual when people are suffering and need to see each other in person. So it's complicated, right? Whether we meet in person or stay all virtual, some people feel hurt or outraged. Some are relieved and thankful and both options are irresponsible depending on who you ask. If we simply followed the public health orders and the law, the physical sanctuary would be full. If we took the safest and most conservative path though, it would be closed. We've taken a middle path. I believe our congregation probably has a higher vaccination rate than the general population. If we required proof of vaccination for in-person attendance, it might make the in-person services a little safer. But for people who cannot get vaccinated for some reason, like their age or medical condition, 
That would be like finding a sign on the church door that says, you simply are not welcome here. And so, at least for now, we're not doing that. This is a hard needle to thread. And of course, the situation around us keeps changing too. New variants, new waves. We have to somehow learn to exist with this thing. As a church, we have to be flexible, yet somehow communicate expectations clearly. We have to be adaptable, yet collaborative. And collaboration takes time. Sometimes our policies have gotten misaligned. For a minute there, it looked like we were going to hold in-person services, but not allow in-person small groups, which is weird, right? That's because with all these moving pieces, things don't move in a neat linear order. And our policies have been updated again now as of Friday, and the new ones will be on the website soon. So what is possible here? What is possible here? Not a perfect answer, but brave love. It is impossible that we will all be of one mind. What is possible? That however we gather, we will see the holy in each other's faces. What is possible? Not to go back to normal, but to go forward. What is possible? That we will have as our moral compass, not just an ethic of individual choice, but of care. That we will look at the options before us each time, every time, and ask, who is included here? Who's able to do this and who's not? How do we draw the circle wide, wider? How do we God our neighbors? Remembering the words of this morning's reading, that poem by our own Carlton Holt, that if God were only a verb and not a noun, then what would be left is the memory that whatever the noun was supposed to signify was a good thing or things or being or beings. And that with God now verbed, actions that were good and loving would be godding. And there would be as many goddings as there are huggings and kissings and meals fed to the hungry and bandages put on wounds. And there would always be opportunities, plenty of opportunities to God your neighbor. What is possible? Godding together, deepening in our spiritual lives and in care for one another through understanding and grace. That's what we're here for, isn't it? Why did you come to church today? What if instead of that old noun, church, that we had mastered and made predictable, what if now we are churching? And what if in churching together, without having the same opinion, we can look in the same direction? What if it's possible to look forward together toward connection? not perfection. I think that's possible. Embracing possibility takes some letting go, some ability to sit with discomfort and with the unknown. That's how we embrace possibility. We let go of what is no longer possible. We stop grasping at what is not actually within our control. We let go and we allow ourselves to be present and attentive to what is 
to be open, open. And I know, I know you are doing this so much in your personal lives today too. I am, you are, we are living through big changes. The world is different. It is harsher. It's more urgent. Guns, climate change, the economy, racism, all of it. Our lives are different. Our relationships, our health, and our spirits are impacted. I am not afraid. Well, I am, but I'll be brave. Breathe with me. Trust with me. Breathe. Be. Listen to these words by the Swiss poet Henri Frederic Amiel. Let mystery have its place in you. Leave a little fallow corner in your heart, ready for any seed the winds may bring, and reserve a nook of shadow for the passing bird. Keep a place in your heart for the unexpected guests, an altar for the unknown God. An altar for the unknown God, or for unexpected godding, I would say. When Christina at last arrived at the school with her son, she saw that it was in a portable building that wasn't very attractive on the outside. But inside, the fourth grade classroom was welcoming. They found her son's seat together right away, located right up front. The school's occupational therapist had already set up a special wiggle stool for him uh, and placed some fidgets on the desk to help him to be comfortable there. Because his school knows him, she writes. She has hopes for a good year, she says, but also she's trying to be brave. There's a place prepared for you today too. On the surface, it may not look as you imagined, but inside this congregation, there is a place prepared for you, for you to come in with your hopes and your fears, to bring your spirit and all of its wonderings, to fall apart, and to reweave, to transform, to have faith, to believe. Whoever you are, whatever your health status, your age, however lonely or resilient you are, there is a place for you here. Here where we are churching, godding, and doing the work of brave love. It is so good to be together. We now take our offering with these words from Helen Keller. Believe. No pessimist ever discovered the secrets of the stars or sailed to an uncharted land or opened a new heaven to the human spirit. The Change for the Future recipient for September is Read to Me. Funds donated will increase book donations to children in need, including bilingual offerings. Read to Me was cut short by COVID this past year, 
but they now have donated books through the Grab and Go lunch program of the schools, sending Navajo language books to the reservation and putting books in the little free libraries in the International District in Albuquerque. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. Now let us exercise together the enduring power of generosity. generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of our Change for the Future recipient, Read to Me. As we are coming to the end of our service, if you would like to stay and join us for our virtual coffee hour, 
and we would love it if you would. Please stay on Zoom after the postlude and you will be placed into a breakout room where you can chat with your fellow sibling congregants. To get the conversation started, here is a discussion question for you to consider. What are some of the possibilities in your life that, are you, that you are looking forward to embracing in the next few days, weeks, or months? RP. What are some of the possibilities in your life that you are looking forward to embracing in the next few days, weeks, or months? And now, as Bob extinguishes the congregational chalice, Bob, your camera is blacked out. We can't see you. Let's give him just one second here. Okay, well, I'm gonna extinguish the candle I lit along with the chalice. And as we extinguish our candles and chalices, I send you out with these words of benediction. Go in peace, friends. Go godding, go churching, go with brave love. And may you be blessed and well-kept until we are gathered again. Blessed be.